Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church, and we've come now to day number 176 in Leviticus chapter 24. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. It is a gift and a blessing for us to be able to spend time each day in your word. Your word is a banqueting table of of a feast of variety and substance, all of which leads us to our Savior, who is the bread of life and the Passover lamb, the one who cleanses and nourishes us like nothing else ever possibly could. So show us Christ and draw our hearts to him today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Leviticus chapter 24. The Lord said to Moses, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil from beaten olives for the lamp, that a light may be kept burning regularly outside the veil of the testimony in the tent of meeting. Aaron shall arrange it from evening to morning before the Lord regularly. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. He shall arrange the lamps on the lampstand of pure gold before the Lord regularly. You shall take fine flour and bake twelve loaves from it. Two-tenths of an ephah shall be in each loaf, and you shall set them in two piles, six in a pile, on the table of pure gold before the Lord. And you shall put pure frankincense on each pile, that it may go with the bread as a memorial portion, as a food offering to the Lord. Every Sabbath day Aaron shall arrange it before the Lord regularly. It is from the people of Israel as a covenant forever. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place, since it is for him a most holy portion out of the Lord's food offerings, a perpetual due. Now an Israelite woman's son, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the people of Israel. And the Israelite woman's son and the man of Israel fought in the camp. And the Israelite woman's son blasphemed the name and cursed. Then they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shelemith, the daughter of Dibri of the tribe of Dan. And they put him in custody till the will of the Lord should be clear to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring out of the camp the one who cursed. And let all who heard him lay their hands on his head, and let all the congregation stone him. And speak to the people of Israel, saying, Whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him, the sojourner as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, shall be put to death. Whoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death. Whoever takes an animal's life shall make it good, life for life. If anyone injures his neighbor, as he has done it, shall be done to him. As he has done it, shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever injury he has given a person shall be given to him. Whoever kills an animal shall make it good. And whoever kills a person shall be put to death. You shall have the same rule for the sojourner and for the native, for I am the Lord your God. So Moses spoke to the people of Israel, 
And they brought out of the camp the one who had cursed, and stoned him with stones. Thus the people of Israel did, as the Lord commanded Moses. That's Leviticus chapter 24 in the ESV. So we have two major things in this chapter. One is the table of the showbread, uh, the bread of the presence. And then we have this incident with this Egyptian uh, woman's, this Egyptian man's son, uh, whose mother was an Israelite, and the blasphemy. So within the tabernacle, within the holy place, but not within the holy of holies, so the, the sanctuary, but not the inner sanctuary, you had two uh, major things that are being described here. We've, we've heard about them earlier, but this is kind of the, the actual setting out of them and the functioning of them. And one is this lampstand. Again, it has seven uh, lamps on the lampstand, so it's a seven and one lamp. And we see a fulfillment of this described to us in Revelation as a picture of the Holy Spirit, uh, who is referenced as the seven spirits of God that go out into all the earth. And it's also the Lamb of God is shown with seven eyes in Revelation, which so Christ is the light of the world. So this picture is that Christ is the light of the world. He said that I am the light of the world. But the way his light shines into the world is through his Holy Spirit. And seven being the number of divine completion, the Holy Spirit's work in the world to shine the light of Christ is divine work, and it is work that will be complete. And so this is the picture of this lampstand. Now, also in Revelation, we see Jesus moving among the lampstands and the lampstands represent the churches. Because remember, Jesus not only said, I am the light of the world, but he also said to his disciples, you are the light of the world. And so we who belong to Christ, if Christ is in us, if the Holy Spirit dwells in us, then we are shining forth the light of Christ into the world. So we're part of this lampstand as well. So the lampstand points us to Christ as the light of the world, the Holy Spirit as the one who brings the light of Christ into the world, and to ourselves as the one in whom Christ dwells by faith, in whom the Holy Spirit works and shines the light of Christ into the world. A great picture. The second picture is a picture of the people of God. Twelve loaves. Twelve is the number of the people of God in Scripture. There are twelve tribes of Israel in the Old Testament. There are twelve apostles of Christ in the New Testament. Revelation brings this together and pictures 24 elders around the throne of God, 12 and 12. And so this is a number that's very important. It represents the people of God. But here we're told very specifically there are 12 loaves and that each loaf represents uh, one of the tribes of Israel, represents the people of God. So you put them in two piles, six on a table, and they are before the Lord. Now what's interesting about this, just like the light, who is the bread of life? Who said, I am the bread of life? Well, Jesus is, of course. But Jesus nourishes us. And we then can take the life of Christ, just as we take the light of Christ, light being representative of truth and goodness and righteousness, life representing the, the, the giving of life to the dead, the giving of nourishment to the hungry, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So Christ is the bread of life, but there's also bread that represents us as the people of God, both before the Lord 
but also uh, to the world. Uh, I think that uh, image would further apply there. So we see beautiful pictures of the gospel again in every aspect of the tabernacle. And then we have a not-so-beautiful picture here, a very sad uh, and horrible picture of this man whose father is an Egyptian and whose mother is an Israelite. And he goes out and he fights against an Israelite man. And during this fight, the Israelite woman's son blasphemed the name and cursed. Now, I referenced this in my sermon about honoring God's name on the 12th. So there's a little, a little explanation of that in that sermon. But basically what I said there was he probably did more than just say the name of God hastily. You know, like sometimes, unfortunately, and it's not right, but within our culture, people will say, OMG, you know, oh my, G-O-D. And they'll say that as an exclamation of surprise, you know. But that's, that's, that's not right. You shouldn't take God's name in vain like that. I think that is one aspect of what it means to take God's name in vain. Um, or sometimes people, when they get really, really frustrated, will take the name of the Lord Jesus in vain upon their lips. And, you know, they'll say JC and they'll be, as a curse. That's terrible. Shouldn't do that. Should absolutely not do that. I think that what this man was doing was even more than that. Because he's in the context of a fight with a man of Israel, and in the context of that fight, he blasphemes the name and curses. I think it's probably something like, you know, praising the gods of Egypt as being superior to Yahweh and then cursing, actually cursing the name of Yahweh. Um, and so it was very serious. But the, the law is set here in this context that whoever curses his God shall bear his sin Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. That is a serious offense. There are a number of capital offenses in the Mosaic Law. Of course, the primary one being murder, but also rape, witchcraft, idolatry, um, seriously dishonoring your parents, your father and mother, and blaspheming the name of God. Now, what we should know and I believe we'll see this when we get to Deuteronomy, is that there was a ransom price that could be paid to ransom someone from the death penalty that they deserved, in every case except capital murder. So premeditated, we would say first-degree murder. Um, that, that offense could not be redeemed with money, but all the other offenses could be redeemed with money. And so God was saying to people in two, two ways, this is a very, very serious sin, and this sin deserves death. But because I do value life, you can redeem your life at a cost. And so if you had a relative who could pay, or your parents could pay, or sometimes you would have someone who pay the redemption price for you, and then you would serve them as an indentured servant for seven years to pay off the price. So there would be a penalty, like serving a jail sentence, you'd be a an indentured servant for seven years. So just so you know that not all of these death penalties that you see in the Old Testament were actually carried out as death penalties. For almost all of them, there was the provision of a ransom price that could be paid. But that doesn't take away the fact that this is a very, very serious sin. Why? Because we were created by God and for God. God is the highest good of the world, of the universe, and of the human soul. 
He is the one in whom we are to delight. As the first answer in the Westminster Shorter Catechism says, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We glorify and enjoy God when we praise and magnify his name and we see him for how delightful and wonderful he is. When we curse his name, we're doing the exact opposite. And so we're robbing glory from God and we're also bringing harm to ourselves and to God's people because we live in a culture now where blaspheming the name of God becomes very commonplace. And I think that diminishes our soul's ability to truly magnify and glorify the name of God because we hear it thrown around so flippantly and, and even in a, as a curse word. So it both steals glory from God and it does harm to his people. And that means it strikes at the very heart of God because the heart of God is glory to his name and good to his people, which he's made inseparable in Christ. In Christ, God is glorified and we receive eternal good. And so when you blaspheme the name, you're striking at the very heart of God, his own glory and the good of his people. So it's a very serious sin follows this up with other very serious sins. Whoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death. Whoever takes an animal's life shall make it good life for life. If anyone injures his neighbor as he has done, it shall be done to him. This is the idea that justice, justice in God's eyes requires a level of reciprocity. If you've stolen from someone, you have to restore. If you've hurt someone, you yourself are going to be hurt. If you've taken a life, You yourself should have your life taken. That's because all life is equally valuable in the eyes of the Lord. And if you can take someone's life without having to surrender your own life, then in the eyes of the law, your life is more valuable than the life you've taken. That's not right. All life is equal in God's eyes. And this is one where he's very clear that you should have the same rule for the sojourner as well as for the native. That's because of our natural propensity to discriminate against outsiders, those who are the others, people by, by nature would say, well, well, if a sojourner hurts somebody, we're going to put them to death. Like if a sojourner, if, a, if an alien, if a you know, migrant worker, we could say, attacks someone and hurts them, well, we're just going to put them to death. No, God says there's a measure here. You cannot do more to them than what they have done to someone else. And the same rule needs to apply for the sojourner as well as for the native. And this shows us the heart of God for justice. That is that all people are equal in his sight. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, again, just the beauty and variety of your word. Even here in one chapter, we have such a variety of different things that are being presented to us, but they show us your heart as a God who is holy, as a God who is committed to your own glory and to the good of your people, as a God who values justice. It shows us Christ as the one who is the light of the world and the bread of life. And it shows us what we are in Christ as those who are made the light of the world and as those who are made bread so that we can go out and feed the hungry with Christ. Help us to be committed to shining the light of Christ, feeding people with the bread of Christ, and upholding justice. The, the honor and the sanctity of life, human life, all human life. We pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me again. Tomorrow on day 177, we're going to be wrapping up the book of Romans. So Romans chapter 16 brings us to the end of our journey through Romans tomorrow. Hope you can join us for that. And I hope you have a blessed day in the Lord as always. Mm -hmm.